Welcome back for another episode of Lead with Purpose podcast with me, Shishin Young, where we talk about purpose, marketing, mindset, and how to launch, grow, and scale a purpose-driven business. Right, it's fantastic to be back here podcasting again after a little bit of a break. Today, we have a very special guest with us. We have Ruth Doolittle with us. Actually, Dr. Doolittle is right here with us today. She is a multi-award winning animal communicator and a therapist, shaman, and also an intuitive communicate. Uh, com- com- intuitive teacher, I can't even say it, sorry. <laughs> thank you so much for being here, Ruth and Dr. Doolittle. Oh, thank you so much. Thank you so much for the warm welcome, for having me here. It's really, it's a really lovely space. Thank you. I am really excited to talk to you about lots of different things. But um, I think, I don't know, some of my listeners know already, I love my animals, all my pets. I've got a plethora, quite a few of them. It's been uh, yeah, a pleasure to have them. So I'm going to talk to you a little bit about animal communication for sure. And then we'll talk a little bit about intuition um, mm-hmm. after that. So um, first of all, could you tell us a little bit, perhaps, how how does one become an animal communicator? Yeah, of course. What a great question to start with. Lots of people think I'm really special and I just want to say something here. I really am not. I am a normal person like everyone else. We all have these intuitive gifts. Unfortunately, what happens is through conditioning, society, home life, education, lots and lots of other cultural aspects, we tend to tune down, learn to ignore and disregard our intuition. So actually, intuition is at the core of being an animal communicator. Having an open heart and an open mind is really helpful. For me, it was a really wibbly wobbly journey. It wasn't straightforward, but when I came out, I used to call it coming out of the weird closet because I have got a corporate background. Okay. Used to wear pinstripe suits and go to business meetings and drive a sports car and all of that nonsense. And and, uh, I thought it was very important at the time. But when I made the transition, because I'd been doing animal communication in secret, I had to sort of come out from my corporate brand. That's my kitten just chipping in here. He's six months old. And uh, <laughs> he, oh, hello, gorgeous. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry, my cat just joined us as well. <laughs> the cat's joining in. <laughs> Love that. Um, I, do, I called it coming out of the weird closet because I actually started to share who I really am. And that is a little bit weird and a bit quirky. It's not the mainstream. But really, it starts with being able to quieten the mind, drop from the head into the heart space and learn to listen to the more subtle aspects of communication, which is intuitive communication. Everybody has the ability to do it. And lots and lots of people call it things like a hunch, a gut feeling, and in a knowing, they'll dismiss it as a coincidence or a funny, a funny accident, a weird thing happened, I can't explain. Those to me are all synchronicities, by the way. But you do this actually as a work, as a job, don't you? 
Yes. So, and you do that online? Yeah, I work online. You do that online with animals? Yes, yeah. So if you can believe, <laughs> I like how your kitty's literally joining the chat. <laughs> if you can believe and relate to an animal having a soul, it makes it a lot easier to understand what animal communication is and how it works. Some people call me a soul whisperer. Some people call me a dog whisperer or a cat whisperer. I talk to any animals and I could talk to people. I really try not to. I really, really try not to. It's not It's not an area that I particularly enjoy. I much rather the animals. And when I came out of the weird closet, looking back on my whole life, it had always been part of my life. My first best friend was a cat. <laughs> my first love was a cat. And then my second love were horses. And it was a very long time till I had my own equines. And those experiences with animals along the way, when I look back, were way more than just having a furry friend. I definitely had those abilities. But what happened was things like, I remember one of our cats when I was tiny, I was only about three or two or three. I couldn't really talk properly. And the kitchen looked like it was 20 foot tall. The cupboards in the kitchen looked 20 foot tall. One of our cats used to sleep on top of the cupboards which of course when you're two or three is very far away yeah. and she uh had a little car accident and the end of her tail started to fall off so she'd had some nerve damage on her tail and i remember physically feeling the incident but i couldn't articulate it and i remember her tail bits of her tail dropping off and the vet had said that she had the nerve had been damaged and had died and she would possibly lose all of her tail and i felt it i don't have a tail i don't even have a limb that represents a tail but i remember that feeling but of course when i did start to talk and ask things i remember being a bit older and asking about cows and calves i always felt like the cows were grieving when their calves were taken away and i asked lots of questions about this but the adults always dismissed me uh, and dismissed it as, oh, don't be silly cows, they don't have feelings like that. You know, it's just, you're just living near a farm. And But when I went to work on a farm to do my own actual research into dairy, I truly, hand on heart, believe that the cows do grieve. In fact, sometimes the mothers will actually end their lives because they've they're so done in with having had their babies taken away from them that they just give up so things like that helped me along the way but it didn't all come all oh, right i'm going to train as an animal communicator like like accountancy oh. and, and go and learn this and then da da however i do teach people how they can learn animal communication and it isn't like accountancy. It's not so. It's not so square or, or boring. Or it, it's great if you're into numbers. I really am not. Um, <laughs> no, you neither. <laughs> um, but it really starts with the heart and learning to understand the subtle language of the heart. The heart, they say, is the seat of the soul. The heart is responsible for reading our energy field it sends information up to the brain to be interpreted heart math institute in the states have done tons of research into this it used to be that 
a lot of the science was saying it was all head first and actually they're saying it's gut first or heart first and the heart is connected to the energy field your aura which is picking up changes in energy around us all the time and that information then gets interpreted by the brain and teaching animal communication and, and actually intuition is a big part of that is learning to understand the subtle communication that goes on and it's much quieter see of course when i talk to animals they're not moving their mouths and having a chat like we are they might send me pictures or send me a feeling or share with me it's not always nice share with me a taste in the mouth or a smell (laughs) (laughs) i remember one time really getting this strong sweet hay smell in my mouth and my mouth started watering and my belly started gurgling like wow i can't wait to eat this delicious hay oh let me get my face in it and obviously i don't eat hay uh, <laughs> i was eating yeah. with a horse but she was particular about what sort of hay she wanted very sweet fresh summer meadow hay that was very dry not stale old winter hay that had been stored for months on end and she was very very particular about what she wanted and the smell was exactly what she was trying to convey. I wanted to smell like this, which of course is a little bit harder to communicate because really I'm an interpreter. I can you can smell it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you could sense that by looking at her through a screen or were you actually live with this horse? This horse was via a photograph on a screen. Okay. Yeah, so how it works is the eyes are the window to the soul. And as long as I can see a photograph where I can see the eyes clearly, I'm able to make a connection through the eyes. There's a little process I go through and it's very much dropping from the head into the heart and connecting with the animal energetically. We are way more than our physical body. Yeah. And none of us are actually separate. So all I'm doing is tapping into the quantum field beyond the realms of our eyes and beyond the realms of what I can pick up and touch and feel. And I've learned how to open that channel. And I've been working professionally with that for eight years. I've been working with it. I'm nearly 47. I've been working with it most of my life. I just, at the time, when I look back, I didn't realize. And also, I just have to share, the waking up to my gifts wasn't a straightforward, welcomed experience. Things happened that I chose, actively chose to ignore. It was like, la 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 la, that didn't just happen. Absolutely didn't happen. I can't, I can't even, I can't even think about that. And then the animals, (laughs) when I started to study, it made a lot more sense. When I started to study this field, The teacher said to me, when you start doing this and getting really good, word will get out through the animal kingdom, through the quantum field that you're a communicator and the animals will find you. And they do. (laughs) (laughs) So, yeah, it's not a straightforward journey, but it's definitely one of... uh, um, an open heart is and a, a, a definitely being curious helps as well. <laughs> I'm, 
I'm, I'm just so fascinated. Actually, recently I did a, a equine therapy session with a friend of mine. I can't remember. I was just trying to find um, her place that was called here to give a quick plug here as well. But now I forgot what it's called. I will put it in the show notes. And it was really fascinating, actually, connecting with these horses and actually working with them and connecting with them. It is about that connection, isn't it, that you build with the animal. Mm-hmm. And the, oh, sorry, my cat just bit me. I don't know. She, he, he's going mental here. He not, there, There's a couple of reasons. He is a cashmere eating cat and I'm wearing a cashmere sweater. Oh. And I don't know whether something here is bothering. He's been just chewing, like biting me. He's clawing me. He normally doesn't do that when I'm sitting here. <laughs> could you sort him out? <laughs> oh, goodness, I can definitely help. Definitely. That's interesting. I remember having a cat when we were children that used to eat wool. Yeah, he, he, he loves like really fine cashmere wool. And this sweater is like the finest cashmere I can find. It's been chewing that, but I'm not sure if it's my sweater or whether something is, is annoying him. Anyway, I'll sit here. If I if I shout again, then uh, it's because it bit me again. Sorry, listeners, you can't see this, but I'm sitting in a really funny way. Anyway, let's get back to this. So, um, <laughs> so I, I'm just fascinated about like this whole animal connection communication. It's, it's about connect connecting rather than communicating. Well, communication, I guess, is about connection, right? Yes. And this is something, is this something you can actually go and learn as a professional? Is this from your own practice that you've, and also the other thing I would like to ask you is you mentioned before, it's like things were starting to happen and you were trying to ignore it. I would like you to maybe go in a little bit into that. Like wh- what was going on? What happened? What were you trying to like, what did you try to ignore? Okay. So a few questions there. Sorry. <laughs> okay. Yes, you can. Absolutely. You can learn this. I've developed my own introduction to animal communication course because lots of people that I work with are really passionate about their animals, have farms, small holdings, run stables, kennels, are dog walkers. So for them, it's something really helpful. So I've developed my own course, but I've also studied with some of the world's leading communicators and animal professionals. Over the years, I've come. I've been to the States and studied over there. I've been uh, a student of two particularly well-known people here in the UK. And that's helped me. I do believe that it's really important to work with people that are far more skilled than you are so you can be in their energy and, and bring your own skills up. So it's definitely something you can learn. It does take practice and patience. And it depends how heady we are because especially in the west you know life is so busy we're juggling so much work mortgages rent bills school runs blah 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 all these things and that is up in our heads so we have to have some sort of practice that brings us into our heart whatever it is that you love doing do more of that make space to do that more often even if it's 10 minutes a day i love to dance Living with cancer has sapped my energy, so I, I can't dance all night. But I can dance for 10 or 20 minutes. And I really strive to do that every day, to keep my energy high and to keep me happy. So it doesn't matter what the thing is that you love doing, it's making space for the thing that you love doing. 
And if that is creative, dance, music, singing, coloring, drawing, writing, cooking, managing your money, running a business, raising a family, all of those things are creative and that taps into your creative energy. A lot of my teachings, a lot of my experience as a therapist is based in traditional Chinese medicine, the five elements and the approach to the body of the head, the heart and the hara. And when you engage all three, thinking, feeling, oh, so I'm pointing, sorry, we're not, um, head for thinking, heart for feeling and hara, so your, uh, your pelvic basin for creating and manifesting. Just think about what the hara does for a moment. It has the ability to create life. Mm. I mean, wow, that is amazing. When you activate all three of them together, you become this amazing energetic force you are in alignment with yourself. But if all you do is think and think and work and work and do and do and do, the heart and the horror are like, hello, what about us? And so you're not in alignment with yourself. So the first, it is a really big self-development journey. That's what I want to say is like, Mm -hmm. it really opens you up. So yes, you can learn. Okay, some of the weird things that happened, I've got three things that popped into my head. Okay, one was one of our cats. So we had Siamese and Oriental cats when I was growing up, but we lived in the countryside of Southern Ireland. And one of our cats, Henry, an Oriental chocolate spotted tabby, super stripy legs, spots all over his belly, super slim and slinky with a sort of triangular head, looks like a Siamese, but with stripes all over him. Pardon my kitten, he's stolen a thing off my blind and is now dragging it around the rooms, trying to make as much noise as possible. So if there is some background noise, it is my naughty little kitten. (laughs) His name is Loki, so, you know, he's fitting. It's Loki being the (laughs) god of mischief. And uh... (laughs) our friend's cat dog is also called Loki and he's exactly the same. He's a nightmare. He's coming. (laughs) I'm going to see them tomorrow. (laughs) well-chosen names (laughs) so henry went missing and i had this feeling that i needed to go and look in the field next door i was 14. i thought well i mean i don't know why i thought that but when i looked in the field there was henry lying flat out absolutely covered in blood and i thought the worst i hopped into the field scooped up the cat and brought him home i wasn't very calm and I was like, mom, mom, the cat's bleeding everywhere. Oh, my goodness me, I found him. And um, so she came out to help me. And what we realized was that he actually had got a salmon spine. If you think about a salmon having spines, the yes. segments of the spine, just like ours, a segment had got stuck on a tooth. But on a salmon spine, it's got four yeah. bits. Yeah. Definitely three big ones, one smaller one. And those three, one bit had cut his tongue, one bit the top of his tongue, one bit. So the blood had come from all around his his mouth. And when he was trying to get it out, he was shaking his head. So he was absolutely covered in his own blood. So it wasn't a disaster at all. It was a simple fish bone stuck in the cat's mouth, which we got out. But had I not acted on that, I don't know what would have happened because he was in a cow field and I'm not sure that the cows would have seen him or helped him because at some point he would have got tired. So that was the first thing, but I just 
dismissed it as well I was thinking about Henry and wondering where he was but I mean a sense and you just knew where he was and how old were you did you say I was 14 right okay yeah I was 14 and just after that my mum said to me not that incident but I was about 15 14 and a half 15 mum said to me you're very fey which is a sort of an old expression for intuitive or uh, open to seeing other realms that sort of what do you want to do with it and I said oh we went to a I'm not Catholic but we went to a Catholic school because we lived in Southern Ireland and I said I don't know I'm terrified and I remember just wanting to squash it down like it was in a box put the lid on it and hide it away so that's what I did consciously shut down my gifts like I, I don't know I was already the English girl whose mum had been remarried which was a scandal in the area we lived in I was already the weirdo I didn't want to be even more weird so 14 so roll on a few more years there were lots of other things but the two that I want to share the two that popped into my mind so I went traveling around the world, I was 32, and I got to Madagascar. I was in Madagascar for three months on an amazing volunteering conservation humanitarian project. It just lit me up. What an amazing experience, amazing opportunity. And we were in, right down in the south, which is super, super rural. You have to fly there. You can't drive down to the south. The roads are non-existent. Working with a local community, which was two days by road. <laughs> I say road. They're sand tracks. Yeah. They're not roads. <laughs> the, the bridges are made of logs. And you think, are we ever going to get this truck over this? Oh, my gosh. Everyone got off the truck. So the truck got over and then you walk over on foot. And thank, <laughs> thank the stars that actually you've made it this far. And we got invited to come and have a look in a particular forest. It's called Littoral Forest, so it's quite dry. Mm -hmm. Totally opposite to um, some of our forests, but it's quite yeah. a dry forest. And we were told that there were some lemurs there with babies that we might be able to see. I mean, imagine that, real wild lemurs with babies. And there were only, so there were only 15, 16 of us volunteers and we had two guides with us and they said, oh, there's these babies. Do you want to come and see them? Of course we want to see them. We were in Madagascar. So off we went into the forest. It was, well, we'd been, so part of what we were doing was um, working with a nursery, a tree nursery. So you get these little packets, a bit like the size of a mug, a, a, a cup or a mug and you stuff soil into them and then the nursery plants seeds and then they grow trees so in Madagascar there's little pockets of forest all over the place this is huge like 90 percent deforestation on Madagascar that's a whole other story yeah. and they want to link up these little isolated pockets of forest so that the species can maintain their diversity and they can protect these amazing species that are available on, on Madagascar. So we were there. That was our project at that time. That's what we were doing. And so it was 
it was just after lunch so maybe it was about half past two in the afternoon still really hot and we went to the forest and as we walked into the forest it was like a black like smoke or black veil came down and I thought oh I don't like this this is weird the light went really weird there were only about six or seven of us went with a guide to go and have a look and I felt like I'd walked into somewhere I shouldn't be people haven't been in this area this isn't an overpopulated area or anything like that at all I mean there's, there's no one for miles and miles and miles and miles there's no schools there's no villages there's nothing this is wild madagascar and we went into the forest and i felt hostile i felt hostility towards me and i remember hanging back a little bit from the group and walking tentatively into the forest thinking we shouldn't be here i don't feel comfortable we shouldn't be here i don't like the feeling i don't like and it felt like it was closing in on me and then the guide said, oh, we, I think we found them. And I heard this voice, get out, get out, get out of my home. And I was like, Whoa, what is saying that? And I looked straight up and there was a lemur right above my head who made eye contact with me, directly made eye contact with me. I knew that lemur was the one with the message saying, get out. And it had a tiny baby tiny baby and I I was like oh and it then defecated on my head so (laughs) (laughs) pardon me I backed away I chuckled to myself because I thought well that's a really clear whatever had been said I'm like that's a clear message I'm not welcome here I'm going to retreat so I called out to our our guide and said look I'm going to head back I don't this isn't right and actually, they then said, actually, we should retreat. You know, these have got babies. We don't want to disturb them too much. So we backed away. I didn't say anything to anybody because I thought, they're going to think I'm mad. Mm. They're going to think I'm mad. And then I spent, well, I spent a long time. This was 2008. I spent mm. a long time trying to understand what had happened, rationalizing it. Well, obviously, obviously we weren't welcome there. Obviously, mm. I just picked up on, 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 I don't know, jungle vibes. I, I just, yeah. I couldn't explain it. But then because the lemur had defecated on my head, made a very clear signal. I was like, oh, well, that was what it was. I must have heard the voice afterwards. I must have. I think that's just my crazy imagination. That's yeah. So again, that got put into a little compartment. Let's pretend that didn't happen. And the lemur just went to the toilet on my head. And that's what happened because I I couldn't, I just couldn't make sense. Tell the others that you saw the lemur or that you experienced this. It would be quite interesting to hear. Did they feel the same or was it just you? So I didn't say anything. We went back to camp and everybody was talking about, oh, they'd seen three or they'd seen five babies or they're, what about you? Ruth, you're really quiet. What about you? And I said, oh, I didn't like it. I didn't like it. And they said, what do you mean you didn't like it? We saw loads of babies. Didn't you see a baby? I said, no, I did see a baby. Didn't you see the Lima went to the toilet on my head? Because I was like, you know, I was like, I had all the stuff in my hair, like, ugh. Yeah. 
stinks <laughs> and I need to wash this out of my hair, but you know, we don't have running water. Yeah. We don't have access to facilities. It's going to be a bucket wash in my hair later on. Um, but I didn't say, I thought, I'm not saying anything. I'm not saying anything about what I heard. Let me see what they say. Mm. And everyone was having this experience of, it was amazing. It was so beautiful. Didn't you notice this? And, and I just said, I didn't like it. It felt really hostile. Oh, you're imagining things. That was the comment. And that was enough for me to say, oh, I'm not sharing anything. Which is why I put it in a box. I could just we'll put that in a box and we'll put it to one side and we'll file that away in the miscellaneous I don't know what happened box. Shortly after that trip, I went from uh, Madagascar to South Africa and I was there for quite some time. But not long after coming from Madagascar, I went to a party, some friends, uh, I have some friends out there and some friends that said, look, come with us, you'll meet all of our friends. And you can make a plan, you know, have a holiday here and then make a plan, see what you're going to do, where do you want to go next? And I, I was a bit overwhelmed, really, to be totally honest, after being in Madagascar for three months with no electricity, no phone signal, no running water for lots of the trip. It wasn't all like that, but it's certainly not anything like the West out there. And I was very overwhelmed. And so I took a quiet spot in the kitchen at a, a like a bar. I sat down on a bar stool, little table, and there was another lady there who was really chatty. And I was I was just very glad that I didn't have to chat much. And she was chatting and there were loads of people in and out of the party. And I didn't know very many people and they were all in very high spirits. And I just wasn't feeling like that. I'd been in this very different experience and I wasn't feeling particularly extroverted. So I just settled into the kitchen and pretty much stayed there for the evening and it's beautiful christmas time in south africa is hot i love the heat i know i've got red hair and fair skin but i love the sun and i love the heat and so it was like shorts and a vest and no shoes oh just so liberating and underneath the table i had was swinging my legs and i noticed that there was this gorgeous silky dog i didn't look I just felt it with my feet and I was listening to this lady talking, 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 talking. Oh, she had stories and stories and stories. She'd been married to a carpenter who was a really skilled craftsman. And she was telling me about some of the things they'd done in there. He would passed away a few years prior and she was telling me lots of, I just thought she just wants to talk about the man of she spent her life with and I'm happy to listen. And the whole time I was, what I thought I was doing was rubbing the dog's ear, the soft floppy ear between my feet. And this is where it started to get really weird. And at some point in the evening, I said to the lady, I said, is that your dog under the table? And she said, well, no, I think it's Penny's dog, the lady whose house it was. And we both looked underneath the table and there was nothing there. We were both having the same experience with a dog that wasn't there. And we thought it was a dog that was in the house. 
And we couldn't believe what was going on. I said, I thought I was rubbing a dog's ears. And she said, well, I thought I'd been rubbing a dog's ears or something really warm and silky under the table. What have we been rubbing? And we've been rubbing air. There was nothing there. And we fell about laughing, like what on earth was that? But by then we had had a few drinks. So it was a bit fuzzy and it was very easy to just, I'll just brush off as something weird. But then adding up all of the things that happened, it's like, hang on a minute. I had that thing that happened there. And then I had the thing with the cows. And then I had the thing with, and there were lots of others, lots and lots of others. And then in 2012, the final piece that really made it real for me was I took on a rescue cat. And I was living with a friend at the time and two girls living together. We were having a great time. And my little cat, uh, I rescued her. She was 10 months old, brought her home. She spent the first night in bed with me, lying along the pillow. So we were like head to head, but she had her side and I had my side. And (laughs) I went to visit a friend and stay overnight. And I came home and my bed was wet. I was like, oh, this is horrible. And it happened a couple of times. And I said to my little cat, Zanzi, look, I've adopted you and you're going to live with me forever. I'm going to look after you until the day you die. But we're not going to be friends if you keep weeing on my bed. And clear as a day, I heard a voice. Well, where do you go? What? What? I was like, (laughs) what? She's got big green eyes and they were staring at me. And when are you coming back? And why do you leave me? Where are you going? I never know what's happening. I'm so worried. Are you going to leave me like the other people did? I could hear this very agitated voice and I wring my hands because that's what it felt like she was doing. I thought it was a load of nonsense. I thought, I can't, I can't believe this. I cannot believe this. Fingers in my ears. I'm going out. But somewhere along the way, not very long after I got her, somebody I know who's an astrologist had done a little course in animal communication and said, does anyone have any animals I can practice on? And I (laughs) said, yes, me, please. Can you come and talk to my cats? Find out why she's weeing on my bed. So she, I sent her a photo, which I thought was bonkers. And she then phoned me up and she said, right, I've had the chat with Zanzi and she says that she wants to know where you are going and when you're coming back she's giving me this feeling of wringing out her hands i'm like what are the whoa 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 whoa, that's exact uh right okay that that yeah mm mm-hmm okay i feel a bit weird now this is a bit uncomfortable because that's what i thought and she said and she knows that you can hear her as she said that zanzi appeared and looked at me with her big green eyes I know. I was like, oh. Oh, dear. <laughs> <laughs> wow, that is incredible. So, I mean, so she, this lady, obviously must have gone through some kind of journey like yours. But did she learn these skills? You seem to have been born with these skills. So can we, like, just how do we get into it like I would love to be able to talk to my animals and be more intuitive and follow my heart and open it up and get out my head you know all of those things that actually in a practical life situation is actually really good right I mean I was 
meditation this morning just so that I could get out of my head and into my heart because I had, I felt myself just in my head all the time. I'm working, I'm trying to figure things out. It's all technical. I just needed to just get into my heart and be. And it felt so good. Imagine if you could actually live in that space more and just feel and see the world in that way. Yeah. How do we do it? Even so, though when I'm speaking about it, my whole body's tingling. I'm like, I want to be in that space forever. You know, like, <laughs> but if you want to teach this, because you are a um intuitive teacher, which I, I just pronounced it just perfectly this time. Um, how do you go about doing this? I mean, it's you are such a good question and you actually are already doing it two things i want to uh celebrate you for you meditated this morning to get out of your head and into your heart so you could be being is really important we are human beings not human doings and so much of our lives is doing it's really masculine energy and we have to open to the receptive feminine energy and we can only do that when we are being so that's the first thing and the second thing is having an awareness of our bodies so you talked about this ah this feels amazing it's making my whole body tingle having an awareness of what's going on in your body actually your body is the biggest intuitive device you've got you can't go and buy it in a shop you've already got one We've all got one. Our body is always giving us feedback if we will listen to it. So one of the first things you can do is start to notice what does your body feel like when you say yes or when you say no to things. When you're sitting down to do your accounts, I already know I feel heavy. <laughs> I don't do that anymore. I give that to someone else because it doesn't feel good. I love in the morning to have a hot cup of le uh, lemon and ginger and to really feel it. Take a moment to enjoy the warmth of the cup. It, this is my morning cup. Bone china, it's my favourite cup. It feels nice. It's smooth. I can drink the warmth knowing it's firing up my internal organs and I'm so grateful to have the privilege of a bone china mug, hot water, the choice of lemon and ginger that's organic in my cup. Like these are amazing gifts. Lots of people don't have these available to them. So I drink gratitude. Gratitude is another amazing part of intuition. There's so many parts to it. And the other thing that's really, really helpful to, well, two things, to really help your intuition. One is breath work of any sort. We do a lot of breathing in our chests. That's not real breathing. You've got to get down into the belly, diaphragmatic breathing. It doesn't have to be long. You could do two or three minutes of box breathing a day. There's tons and tons of resources on YouTube. You could work with a practitioner. You could work with a yogi. You could work with an embodiment. There's lots and lots of people out there that can help with this. It, we, it's actually at the end of our fingertips if we really want to. So breathing is really helpful because breathing brings us into the present moment and breath connects us to right now in our bodies. When we take a moment to breathe, I know that I need to, I can feel already, I need to get up and have a little walk about for five minutes. My feet are starting to feel a bit 
I just feel a bit slow. I'm not moving, but I know that's, I need to have a little walk about soon. I can feel that. The other thing is noticing. So it's really easy for our, the, the masculine part of us, the ego self to say, oh no, that's not true. Where's the facts? Where's the truth? Where's the evidence? So if you write down the day that you thought, oh, I better grab me brolly. And you picked your umbrella up and you took it with you. And lo and behold, it poured down with rain at the moment you needed it. And you're like, I'm so glad I picked my umbrella up. Put that down in your book. Have a special book or jar. I call them your noticings. So you can then start to collect facts, evidence of truth of when you have actually been intuitive and noticed and acted on your intuition. You can also write the times when you didn't take your brolly, but you thought you might need your brolly and you got soaking wet and go, ah, if I'd have acted on that, I'd have been dry today. Let me put that in the book because I've noticed the intuition. I just didn't act on it. What you're starting to do is create deep, unwaverable trust in yourself because your body is the intuitive device. You've just got to learn how to listen to the subtle language of it all. And in this modern life, it's not about subtle, it's about quick, fast now, in your face. And I'm talking about clear all that out and go back to being. And the other tip that really makes a difference is do what you love and if you can, do it outside in nature because when we're outside, we are being grounded by the earth. We are connected with the elements. We are much more in tune with the natural rhythms of life, the mm. seasons, the elements. And that's where our intuition really thrives. If you live in New York City and you never get out and you're always in a concrete building, you're literally going to be starved of real air and completely overwhelmed with electromagnetic interference of everybody else's stuff because everything we have going on past present and future we carry in our energetic field in our aura like bags of trash mm -hmm. if you think you're on the tube uh, or the underground and everyone's bringing their bags of emotional trash around with them and i call it the murky soup you're in everyone else's murky soup that's interfering with your energy so there's lots of things there I've said, but really noticing your intuition, writing it down. I know that might sound like, oh, I don't need to do that. Do write it down, even if it's just notes on your phone or much rather have a special book or a jar where you pop your noticings in and make time every day to do something that you love, even for five minutes and give yourself time to be. If you're always going from one thing to the next, you're actually running away from yourself and you have to be able to come into yourself, which is why things like yoga, Pilates, meditation, breath work, just lying on the ground and watching the clouds, all of those sorts of things are really helpful because they help you to be. And when you can be comfortable with being and listening to your body, it's going to be much easier for you to notice when a dog shares with you, that his arm, that his leg hurts. Yeah. Or that it's feeling sad. 
Or that actually it's really bored and wants to go and do something with his brain. But how can you tell that if you're up here in your head thinking about the endless to-do list and worrying about fuel for the winter and what's going on in the news? You know, it's... I guess it's the same when you're communicating with people as well. It's often the unsaid, isn't it? Yes. And it's starting to get attention. Yes. So much communication is non-verbal. You had mentioned earlier about the horses. Horses are fully present. They are highly sensitive herd animals. Their feet are four feet. Imagine if our four legs were connected, uh, limbs were connected with the floor. They're connected with the floor all the time. We would pick up a lot more than we do. Their feet are connected. They can feel a fly land on their rump. They interact with each other through body language. When you approach a horse in an equine therapy situation, I, I've done some of that too, and it is, wow, amazing. They can see what's going on in your energy field because they can feel it. Even yeah. when you're like, la, 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 everything's fine. I don't, I don't have any issues. And the horse is like, you've got a big fat one here. <laughs> I'm not going anywhere until you do with that. That's what was happening a lot. The first couple of sessions, like, not moving. It's like, you can tell me whatever. You can try, but I'm not going anywhere <laughs> until you deal with that thing. And then, and then it starts to move. It, it, it's fascinating. It's been so fascinating to talk to you today. And I could carry on forever. I could have brought all of my dogs or my cats into this conversation. <laughs> But thank you so much for sharing those, you know, those stories and actually opening up our minds to the things that we can't see sometimes, to things like intuition and things that happens that is not explainable. Oh, you're you know, so how do you hear animals? I'm sure, but you know, you can. I'm sure oh. lots of other people can. Perhaps if I do my, what, was, what did you call it? My noticings more often. Maybe I can. That would be amazing. <laughs> Absolutely. And it all starts with one step, one action, one little thing. Little actions build up into big actions. And that is, that was my path too. Although I had lots of experiences in my childhood, I didn't really, after my cat, Zanzi, you know, came out and I admitted I could hear her. I then went to go and study. I looked up some people that I could study with. I was like, oh, let me give this a go. But I was sceptical. I was sceptical when I went. And now, you know, I'm a full convert. And, and I have people that come to me and they're like, oh, I'm a bit sceptical. And I'm like, that's totally okay. But the proof is always in the pudding in what I share. And just a little bit of practice, a little bit of open-mindedness and curiosity it opens the door, it really does. And everybody has the ability to do this as long as their heart is open, as long as their mind is open to things not being quite as they seem. Yeah. It's been so lovely, I know I could talk yeah. all day. Thank yeah, you know, Richard, so I just, much. Just, just in my heart and I'm like, I can feel the tingles going through my body again, just when you open it, when you just said those words, I, I can feel now. It's um, so if I want to, if somebody wants to work with you, whether it's for the animals for themselves and learn more about this, how do we contact you? Where do we find you? Thank you so much. So my favorite place to be is on Instagram. 
And you can, of course, contact me through my website. So Instagram is at Ruthie Doolittle, R-U-T-H-Y-D-O-O-L-I-T-T-L-E, Ruthie Doolittle, on Instagram and www.ruthiedoolittle.com is my website. You can book a free 15-minute chat with me if you'd like to explore working together and come ask me your questions. I do also have a free Facebook group, which you can join via the website and you can ask me anything in there. There's also lots and lots of other open-minded, open-hearted animal professionals in there. So you get lots of value as well as insights. Yeah, that. You will see me in there. Thank you so much for sharing today. And thank you I'm for having me here. Yeah, you so oh, thank you so much. Thank you so much for listening to this episode. I hope you enjoyed it. And if you would like more tips, ideas, and thoughts on how to launch, grow, and scale a purpose-driven business and also hear from other purpose-driven entrepreneurs about their journeys, please follow the podcast. And remember, lead with purpose.